0: going on listeners this just goes to show back with a beginning of post operation restart or pre-operation restart start post
1: back on the pod Pre-start. yeah um, we're back and that was a, an absolute fiasco but two weeks in a row look at us
0: look at us i'm just keep- Paul
1: Rudd meme look at us
0: look at us yeah i was just keeping the fiasco going after trivia from last week for those who listened and uh, text to me feedback. I appreciate it. Um, you know, it, it's sincere and it goes to heart. Um, they haven't cut our funding for the, the pod yet, so um, you know, we're, still funny. On, we're still on
1: the mic. I didn't really even get that much negative feedback. I think most people recognized how bad it was on your end that they didn't even really. like. Garrett was listening to it or texted me while he was listening to it, and he's like, wait, Jack's wrong about Obama Yang. And then he texted me 30 seconds later. He's like, ah, looks like you guys caught that. <laughs> so... uh yeah, I, I'm doing it this time. I did something a little bit simpler, so I don't think we're going to have any major fiascos of trivia. but.
0: So we're back. Um, we're talking uh, today. We're going to be talking about day one. Day one of the Prem is tomorrow. Um, so really excited about that. We got a little Champions League update. Some news has come out over the last week. Um, and then some transfer window speculation. Um, Chris, is, we, Chris and I have been talking kind of offline about the implications of the transfer window and COVID prices. And we talked a little bit about that in the last pod. Um, and then we'll actually give you our predictions of how the season is going to finish out. Uh, not full table, but just the top five and the bottom three of the table. Uh, then we got trivia and we're actually able to bring you our predictions predictor picks right after that um, once once again if you're not in the predictor league just download the NBC sports predictor app it's a good app they got golf uh i think nascar on there um but they do have uh premier league football you just go on there pit, make your picks really quickly uh, about five games on a weekend and then you can win real cash um and inevitably pass me in the standings so
1: i, I have one real cash only like three bucks but
0: that's three more dollars than uh, you wouldn't have had you not played so very, very true uh jumping into day one, Chris, we've got tomorrow, we've got Villa versus Blades, Blades. Um, as the first game of the return at Operation Restart, very fitting as both of these teams have a game in hand on the rest of the Premier League table. How do you think it's going to play out?
1: You know, it's hard to say. Villa are at home, uh, so I like a little bit of an edge there. Does I'm that matter? Very, I might not. I mean, it, it doesn't matter like it used to, but I still feel like there's probably a little bit of uh, familiarity playing. At Villa Park, you know they're out there without fans at times, so they're they're a little bit more used to the ground. Blades are going on the road, no no support in any way. It's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit eerie. I don't know. It might not help them much, but um, I'm very curious to see what these lineups are going to look like. Villa have a couple of players that should be coming back from injury, uh, specifically John McGinn. I want to see if he's playing. I hope he is. Um, you yeah. know, this one feels like a draw for me.
0: Honestly, I think if Villa can pick up a point, it's a really good result. Um, I think, obviously, I'm I'm in a in the Villa camp, and I've been reading a lot about the hype uh, that the team has and how diligent they've been in the off season. And I think this you know this break has allowed Villa's best player to return outside of Jack Grealish because the whole field kind of shrinks onto Jack Grealish when he's playing um, because he's Villa's best player by a mile and that's John McGinn. And John McGinn I think 100% will start tomorrow. He's back from injury. He's healthy. He's coming off winning uh, the Scottish FA Player of the Year Um, and him playing next to Grealish in central midfield I think is the, the key for Villa. And I think it's about as good of a midfield duo that Sheffield's gone against all season. I really do think that they can neutralize, if not have the upper hand on that midfield trio of of Sheffield, that's really strong of John Fleck, Ollie Norwood and Lundstrom or whoever else they fill in, Zander Berg or Berg, Zander Berg. They're, they're big season, big money buy early in the, uh, early in the season, the January window. So, Mm -hmm. um, I think uh I rec- I reckon Villa to actually win this one 2-1. One. Uh I don't like Villa's defense. And and That's the problem. Luget.
1: You know, that's the thing that John McGinn doesn't necessarily solve their biggest issue, which is their defense. They've conceded more goals than anyone else in the Prem. And that's I mean, Sheffield United have put up some goals. I mean, they're not they're not like a prolific scoring team, but that's the thing. Like everyone scores on Villa. So are they going to have to put up 2-3 goals to win some of these matches? I don't know.
0: I think I think the the villa's outcome to the season is determined by how well Tyrone Mings plays. I was talking to my sister about this earlier today. Um, I think he's been woeful uh, for the first uh, majority of the season, and um, I, you know he, he, if you look at any of the mistakes leading to goals, errors leading to goals, errant passes, um, he, he kind of tops the charts on everything. And um, with center back pairings, and he seems to be, and he's a fan favorite. You know, he's he's a, a vocal leader, but. And and with that vocal leadership responsibility and with that big price tag, you kind of own the responsibility in central defense for how how many goals you concede. And I really do think the Villa's outcome to the season falls heavily on the shoulder of of how well Tyron Mings plays, not actually Jack Relish or John McGinn. So, um, but you know I believe in him, um, and I think Villa pull it out.
1: I hope so. Uh, and then the next match tomorrow is Man City at home to Arsenal. And, I mean, This is an interesting match in a way because it really doesn't mean much for City at this point. They've got a game in hand. They're going to finish top four. More than likely, they'll probably finish second. We'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but depending on their ban, they might not even qualify for Champions League based on their positioning. So, I, I mean, they have a little bit less to play for. Arsenal are in ninth with a game in hand, and they could climb their way up. Uh, they win this one. They're going to be sitting sixth or seventh and only a couple points out of fifth and five points out of fourth I mean they're they're not out of this yet so this is a very tough fixture for them I I still expect City to win but Arsenal have a lot to play for and it'd be a real statement for them if they come out and get points here against City away
0: yeah I think what's really interesting to think about is the preparation leading up to this game Uh, you know the training sessions I imagine have been like exact replicas for City and Arsenal right because Mikel Arteta is obviously Pep's protege And I imagine that they've been running almost the exact same training sessions leading up to this fixture. And so in my head, I'm thinking about, you know, kind of who plays that game better. And obviously it's City, given the strength of their squad. But... Um, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, if they set up with similar formations and if they set up, sim, you know, with similar tactical aims in terms of moving the ball quickly from side to side, um, squaring the ball in the 18-yard box, things like that. So, uh, I think City do win just because they're a better team. They they were ravaged with injuries earlier in the season. They've had a lot of time for players to come back, and so I think it get this one gets uh, gets away from Arsenal and. I don't really think Arsenal will make a run at it here um, in the last few games. I think they waited too long to get Arteta, um, but I do think they'll be back next season with a vengeance.
1: Yeah, I think they're going to finish us at the top six probably, but um, I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is a time where they can make a statement. I do think that Arteta has some ability, and I'm sure he's been probably more motivating than Unai Emery mm-hmm. was. Uh, so, good I evening. Don't know. Good evening. Well, we'll see what happens in on that one, um, but it's just going to be good to have some matches back. I was talking to Jack earlier. I just. Put in uh, some time off for Friday for work to watch these Friday matches. I'm not going to be able to watch these live tomorrow. Um, So we got two Friday matches. we got full slate on Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it's like almost every day of the week. So it's going to be awesome nonstop prem action coming up. Um, Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, shout out my boss who's trying to get under my skin, Ryan Royland, said that Blades were going to win 2-1. His official prediction is any team in red is going to win on opening day. So he picked Blades and Arsenal, exact opposite picks of me. So um, we'll see what happens. Uh, Uh,
1: That's a bold strategy, Ryan. We'll see if it pays off. Yeah.
0: we uh, Pivoting to the Champions League, Chris, um, news came out this week. Give us an insight on how the the Champions League from this season is going to play out, who's still around, and and how it's going to finish.
1: Okay, cool. So um – I'll try to get the quick clear rundown here hopefully so right now they decided that they're going to be playing the champions league in lisbon the final was originally scheduled to be in istanbul they're moving the entire rest of the champions league to lisbon in august um, they're going to be doing the draw for the semi the quarters and semis in mid-july and then the quarter final rounds going to take place The week of Monday, August 10th. Semi-final, it will be the week of August 18th and 19th, Tuesday, Wednesday. Champions League final, Sunday, August 23rd. Again, all in Lisbon, all behind closed doors. Now, there are still four matches to be played that are the second leg of the round of 16. So those are all going to be played where they were originally scheduled to make sure that both teams get to play once at home. Those matches are Juventus and Lyon. Lyon's up 1-0. City and Real Madrid, City's up 2-1. Bayern and Chelsea, Bayern's up 3-0. And Barcelona and Napoli tied 1-1. Um the, the funny thing is the other 4 teams that have already clinched the spots, you probably wouldn't have guessed these four. It's Atalanta, RB Leipzig, Atletico Madrid and PSG. But um you know, it's, it's I don't know. They basically it's good they made an announcement they figured it out. I think it's going to work out fine actually. Um the way they have it set up, it seems like it'll be pretty good. There should be enough time for these players. I don't know if domestic leagues will be starting by then. Um, by August 23rd, I would think probably not. As the Prem right now is scheduled to finish um, in like the last week of July, but we'll have to see on that.
0: Yeah, and and I think the interesting thing is, is how this is going to play out after domestic seasons end. So, you know, one, there'll be... Usually just the final happens after the end of the Premier League, right? Um, and maybe the semifinal as well happens, like, right around the ending. But there's a full, like, second wave of football. So that's really going to blend together at the end of this season and next season for these Champions League clubs, really test a lot of depth. Um, it's also going to be interesting with think- with transfers, right? Thinking about Timo Werner on Leipzig, who's supposed to join Chelsea in July. You know, he's basically switching teams, in an unprecedented time, and the reports that you know, the
1: reports are coming out that he it sounds like he will be joining Chelsea and will not be playing in the remaining matches for RB Leipzig. I mean, he's their best player, so um, I don't know if there's a lot of other instances where that'll be the case with other players. But I mean, that's a huge loss. They're their best player, definitely.
0: Right, and I think uh, the other interesting thing is thinking about teams. You know, what if, for example, there there's a team who's playing uh, in the Champions League final. Um, who is outside of qualification next season for Champions League plays, right? Like, what if they're kind of playing for the ability to play back in next season? What You know, if, if there was an English team that, that was doing that, or, or any team, I sorry. I mean, at, like,
1: you, would, you would have that anyway, though, because the Champions League finals normally after the end of the Prem anyway, so, I mean, you would, you would know that. So if you finish sixth, you know that, that final match is, all right, that's your Champions League ticket if you win it. Um, but it's going to be interesting that, you know, there's going to be some of these clubs might know that they're not, qualifying for the Champions League next year in the quarterfinal. Right? So like Right. Um you know if some one of these clubs finishes outside their Champions League qualification spots and they've got three legs left in the um you know the Champions League then that's a lot to play for. And I mean you look at a team like Man City too who potentially could be banned for 2 years from getting to the Champions League it makes a lot of sense for them to go all out and try to win a title while they're still in it. Right. Um, and their league position really doesn't matter then, because they're probably not going to win the title. So what what else do they have to qualify for? Just they'll get right. a little extra TV revenue. But I mean, they're going to be going all out for the champions. they gotta imagine.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, it's just the, the the timing of it is going to kind of have a t- you know, uh, have motivation and different implications at a different time for a lot of different teams, you know, Man City being a great example. And so it's going to be interesting to see if, if that affects performance in any way whatsoever, whatsoever. I imagine it won't have a huge impact, but either way, we're just going to have, you know, more and more uh, really quality football to watch after the Premier League season ends. So again, buckle up for the next few months. Um, Obviously from there, another kind of outside uh, or another timeline uh, nuance that's, that's new is the transfer window. So, the transfer window, it's confirmed that it will start at the end of the season. So, normally the summer transfer window starts July 1. Um, but I the this is going to be
1: July 25th. I think the season ends on the 24th, I'm pretty sure. Right. Might so, be a it's day
0: off. To, so, it's starting 25 days later, um, which is obviously interesting. Contracts running out at a different time. Um, you know so the free 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 agents uh free agency there's you don't really call them free agents but uh players who are out of contract um you know switching teams then it will be interesting of course post covid because there's i imagine there's a lot of players who are you know wondering about their future for next season and that's well, going to have some implications on on clubs
1: and i mean and even before next season ooh shout out chicago sirens were there yeah you um, love that even before next season though uh you know players contracts are expiring on june 30th so there are, I think it was, the number I looked at was like 70 different players, in my, 70 or 90 different players in the Premier League right now that are expiring on June 30th with no new deal. And so a lot of these players, if you think about it, uh, the Premier League said that they were allowed to sign short-term contract extensions just through the end of the season. But, I mean, if you're someone who's out of contract, are you going to risk injury over the next six weeks to risk a four- or five-year contract? There's some notable players. David Silva is one of them. Um, you know Ryan Fraser. There, there were a handful of guys um, better than Ryan Frazier even, <laughs> but uh, that are out of contract. Like uh, David Luiz was one, and you know do these guys play? Uh, George or uh, what's his name? Um, Adam Lallana at Liverpool was one as well. He already re-upped. Of course, he's trying to get that silverware while he can.
0: for okay, a of it course. Plays
1: for but you know what I mean. It, it, there's a lot with that going on. So every like the timeline of literally everything going on in the world of football is thrown off into, into chaos. So yeah. it's, it's all it is right now is just timelining and trying to figure out when these dates are going to work and how they're going to align with the new dates for the other thing. It's it's a mess. It's crazy.
0: Right. And and the David Silva one's really interesting because you'd think, you know, what's he what does he have to play for outside of the champion outside of the Champions League by resigning?
1: Right. I don't even know if um, Pep will really play him much. He might give him a little bit of a send-off.
0: Right. And, and, and So, yeah, there, there definitely are, you know, if you're in the mind of a player, you know, do you re-sign a contract to play the last few weeks based off of what your team has to play for? Do you look at signing a league, uh, a contract in one of Europe's other leagues? Do you, you know, it's kind of stay loyal to your club and stick it out? Do you re-sign and then and you re-sign and you end know, up not even playing that much and then your value somehow goes down? Uh, after your contract ends, you know, what if that happens? So it's going to be interesting to see what some players do. Um, but yeah. I think the, also the the end of the transfer season, you and I were talking about, we don't really know when they're going to end the summer window, right? Because a lot of clubs have lost a lot of revenue. And so FIFA is, is thinking of uh, pushing and recommending to extend the transfer window all the way to January, as an example.
1: Well, yeah, that, the January was a report, so I don't know how... Like how much like legs that report has, or if that's a real thing? I think it would be kind of crazy to go all the January. Um, you and I were kind of saying that I think it makes more sense to go to like the end of September, maybe into October. But I, I think there should be a break. I think maybe you do it till like the mid mid October, and then you restart it again in January as normal. Yeah. Either way, w-
0: either way, it will be going later, and partially the idea there being giving some relief to some of these teams who, you know, haven't had the revenue streams that they've had, and they're going to be playing without fans for. Uh, you know, the back half of the Premier League season and so, you know, they need to be able to the idea is that they wanna go be able to go by you know top quality players but they need some time to financially recover and stabilize you know once they get get everything back in order and so extending the transfer window will allow you know some teams to do that which which makes sense to me um you know the shitty part of that is teams who already leave their i was you know saying teams who already leave their business to really late anyway like steve parrish is going to be trying to make like a a midnight transfer in like no on november 2nd or some shit like that like um you know, well into the season, that that gap between the first transfer window ending and the and the and the winter one starting, the January one starting, it's going to be really small.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with it. I mean, it's not anything to really. Be, we won't know, maybe probably for a while at this point. I think. Um, oh, you know, let's just hope at this point that the rest of the season ends the way it's supposed to, and we don't have any more delays or anything like that. And we'll figure out the transfer window, but it will probably pick up right when the season ends, and that coinciding with the Champions League, it's going to be a lot of weird times, but I think after us having basically no news, anything sports related for two to three months, now we're going to get a total influx of it. We're going to have to analyze all of it. So We'll have a lot to talk about as podcasters and, you know, supporters of football. So, <laughs>
0: um, and so that I think, you know, the meat of today's pod is what's the top five at the end of the season going to look like? And what's the bottom three? Yeah, you know, we haven't like. done
1: any like rankings in a while here. Um, and so I think we're going to have a couple of differences, at least in the top five. I hope, um, but I think what we should do. So let's go one by one. Um, in the top five, I want all. I'll name mine first, and then you name yours second, and then the bottom three will switch. But we're going to go one through five first, and how we're going to finish. Sound good? Yeah. Kick it off. Okay. So number one, Liverpool. Chocolate.
0: Yep. Same. Same here. Obviously, I
1: mean, they're up twenty-five points. City of a game in hand, but it, it's essentially over. could end at Goodison on Sunday. I don't think we really need to get into that too much, right? Right, it's over. Okay, number two, City.
0: Yeah, I've got Manchester City as well. Um, I think they're they're going to be focused on the Champions League, but they do have a, a bit of a gap in points, and a bit, I think there's a golfing class between you know these two teams and everyone else in the league. They have a, f- a four-point gap and a game in hand on Leicester in third. Um, mm-hmm. So...
1: I know. I I think it's kind of a foregone conclusion as well. And the thing is, you know, I was even saying that I think they're going to focus a lot of attention on the Champions League, but they're the team with probably the most depth in the entire league too. So it really won't affect them. They'll be able to play guys off their bench if they want to in the prem and still clean up and and finish second. So I don't think that one's tough. Um, Three, I'm going Chelsea.
0: So I have Leicester City finishing at three. Um, Leicester City have a five-point lead currently on Chelsea. Um, which is significant, obviously, with nine games to go. And I think, I do think, like, Leicester had a really strong run at the beginning of the season. The argument can be made that they weren't really hit very hard by injuries, which I understand. But I also think, like, they're not, they're kind of a small, they're a smaller club playing, you know, playing against these big teams. And so I think the idea of playing with no fans actually benefits them. Uh, I think they're well-drilled uh, positionally. I think they play attractive football. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers is a good on-the-pitch coach. I really do. I don't know if he's the best like eight, or on-the-training pitch coach. I don't know if he's the best like in-game manager. But I think he's going to have them well-drilled. I think they're going to play attractive football. Um, and I think they've got a lot to play for uh, to prove that they finish in that conversation of top four teams. And so I actually expect them to finish third where they're at right now and maintain that lead.
1: I, I mean, I agree with everything you said, and I I personally love Leicester. Like, they're not a team that I, that I really support, but in terms of watching them, if, if I could, they're probably, like, a top two or three watchable team for me. I think Brendan Rodgers is a good manager. I think they're a very fun team. Um, but I don't know. Something about Chelsea, I think they've got a lot of young players um, that... <sighs> I think the break for them will probably be, be, affect them a little bit less with a lot of the young talent they have. I really like their their core and something about them. I, I just feel like Leicester lost a lot of steam over the past two months. And maybe they'll rebound and get it back together here. But I feel like there's going to be a little bit of a shakeup. I don't think it's just going to go chalk the rest of the way here. And I like Chelsea more than I like any of the other teams below them. So I think that it, it's, a, it's kind of just a gut feeling, but I'm going to say they're going to hop Leicester.
0: All right, that's fair. Number four,
1: though, I have Leicester. So I obviously okay. think highly of them, and I think it'll like come down to the wire between those two teams. But there's got to be some type of battle because I think one and two are locked up. Um, I think Leicester are very, very good, and I think they're going to be good for a long time. They've got, they've just been run the right way as a club. They've got young talent, and they seem like they're in a financially pretty good position. So I expect them to be around the top six for the foreseeable future. But yeah, I got them at fourth.
0: I've got uh, Wolves at four. Okay. Uh, I've got Wolves at four. I've got Chelsea obviously sliding down out of the four spot, and I've got Wolves for a bunch of reasons. Uh, I think again, I'm I'm leaning towards teams that I feel are very well drilled uh, on the practice pitch because I think know I'm thinking of these games and they're going to be very training ground practice oriented, um, and I don't know if that is Chelsea. I think uh, is that a not lot of Frank what
1: Lampard? You don't think?
0: no I think I think I think Frank Lampard I don't really know if he's at the time uh, as as a manager to identify and find that part of his game you know this is his second season in management um so I don't really know if like he's perfected the training ground you know expertise this is a completely new challenge for him he's, he's less experienced um and it's a very young team at Chelsea and I don't know if they're going to be able to handle the shift and adjustment this you know this is again the, the most fluid situation we've ever occurred in in world football and I don't necessarily like really young teams uh to go and um you know to go and maintain that I, I think Leicester, you know Leicester has a young team yes a young young talent but they also have an old core and uh i don't i don't think chelsea has that so, so, so i see wolves i see wolves jumping into four wolves also out of the restart play their their first four fixtures are west ham bournemouth astonville arsenal Um, and so, you know, I'm thinking that's potentially three, if not four wins on the trot right there, um, to start back 12 points, really jump into that conversation. Um, and I think Wolves is going to finish fourth.
1: So, okay. I'm going to get to my pick in a second here, but I want to comment on one thing. And so the reason why I think that I I made that comment about how i like that Chelsea have a lot of young players. I think that the advantage there on something like this is not only is there a mental break of like two and a half months or whatever it's been, three months. But there's a physical break, and I think that these younger players will be match fit a lot more quickly than some of the older ones. Being able to go a full 90, I I don't know. I mean, I like the, the stamina idea behind it, but that was kind of where I was going with that. Yeah, uh,
0: I think I, I think it's in a similar vein. You know, you could think about it in reverse, where you know the the older players, the professionals who have been doing this, getting ready, you know, resting in the off season, keeping themselves ready. They're they're more professional perhaps because they've been doing it for longer, and so you know maybe during COVID and during quarantine, mm-hmm. those are the the people who took better care of their bodies, ate better, you know, weren't going to their friends partying or something like that. You know, when they didn't know what was happen- going to happen in the world, like a Jack reelish, for example, but.
1: Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think that there's a lot of different ways to look at it, and considering I never made it past, like, intramural level soccer uh, in my life, I probably am not the best person to analyze it, but I got a microphone in front of me, so, you know, I'm going to talk, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, number five for me, after we went through all that, is Wolves, because I think they're great. <laughs> so, I don't know, everything you said about them. I- I'm a big fan of Wolves as well. Uh, the one thing that I think is crazy, you said maybe four on the trot, they only have 10 wins all season in 29 matches, but um, I, I really like Wolves, I think they're very well managed, I think um, Adama Traore for me has been maybe the breakout star of the Prem this season I love Diego Jota I think Real, uh, Raul Jimenez is like a top 10, number 9 in the world, and they're just built so good, Ruben Neves, John their defense uh, I don't know, I can't say enough about them I don't see much in Man United right now I think that Despite, um, shout out Marcus Rashford, who's done like a million things over uh, the break to help out people in England, he's a gem. I just think they've got, they're they're the young side that I feel like might not take their training as seriously compared to Chelsea. I feel like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer might not have them under wraps as much as Frank Lampard might have them at Chelsea. But So I wouldn't be surprised if United slipped, but I think it's more of a testament that I think Wolves will finish really strong, and that's why I have them moving up a little bit.
0: So at five, for me, I have Blades. Um, I have Blades sneaking into the fifth, and uh, the fifth spot on the table, the final Champions League place. So my top five being Liverpool, Man City, Leicester, Wolves, and Sheffield. So Wolves and Sheffield. So I've got some new faces there in the Champions League qualifications. I think this is a time of... Newness, change, difference, and I think what better time for the top four that has been so traditional in English football, the top six even over the last ten years, to just be tipped on its head. Um, and I think again, going back to the same mantra that I've had for the same mantra that I've had for the last few teams is Chris Wilder. They have a game in hand first of all, so they, they get a win and they're already in fifth. Yeah, um, that. for That's the a good for point. the game in hand, um, and then you know so they have ten games to go, and I think. Again, they're going to be really well drilled, right? That they are probably the most tactically organized, difficult to break down with their, th- you know, three center backs, their wing backs, play very well together as a unit, um, and so I like them. Again, they already. Virtually playing in front of no fans anyway. Sheffield United's ground is so small, so no no crazy change in home field or a away advantage for them. If anything, I think some of the, again the smaller teams with smaller grounds like a Wolves, Sheffield benefit from that because they're not used to playing. You know, they don't have an 80000 80, fan home field advantage like a Man United or uh, Stanford Bridge with you know fifty thousand. So mm-hmm. um, I like Wolves and Sheffield. You know, going into four and five.
1: Okay, and I um, I like that too. You know, I like Blades. One question for you before we move on to the relegation side of things. Um, so, we have right now United's in fifth with forty-five points. Wolves sixth, forty-three. Sheffield United seventh, forty-three. Then eighth and ninth, Spurs at forty-one points. Arsenal at forty. If you had to pick between those two teams, which one you think would make a run into potentially the top four or five down the stretch? Who would you pick between those two?
0: Uh, that's really hard to say. I I'll go Spurs. Harry Harry Kane's back um, and they had a ton of injuries well documented before uh before the break. And so All I right. think the, the break does end some good. That being said, Arsenal has a game in hand and is a a point, be, a point behind and I do rate Miguel Mikel Arteta, but excuse me, we got hiccups, hiccups, but I do think uh yeah, I do think I do think Harry Kane coming back for Spurs. I think they'll they'll I think Spurs and Arsenal kind of just, like, flutter around, like, you know, like, they'll finish below Chelsea and Man United. I, th- I kind of feel like they're going to stay right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I'd probably say the same. Okay, let's move to the bottom three. So, this time, I'm going to have you go first. You're going to start with 20th, and then we're going to work our way to 18th.
0: All right, so 20th, I've got Norwich.
1: Same. I think that's also kind of a foregone conclusion.
0: Yeah, they're four points back of Villa, who also has a game in hand. Um, of them, they're six points back of Bournemouth and Watford and uh, and West Ham, who are all tied at twenty seven points. They're at twenty one points, um, and they're just not good enough. So
1: sorry. I don't think they're good enough either. I mean, I what, there's crazier things that have happened. They've got nine matches left. If they win three of them, they could easily stay up. You know, depending on how the season ends, uh, win three, three and get a draw or two, but. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's the easiest pick I had on the list besides Liverpool is them at 20.
0: Cool. Uh, 19, I've got Bournemouth.
1: Okay. Um, Bournemouth, I don't know,
0: again, don't know if they have the depth. Um, They start out of the break uh, playing Crystal Palace, Wolves, Newcastle, Manchester United. Um, so I expect Wolves to beat them. I also expect Crystal Palace to beat them in the first game back. Uh, Newcastle will be kind of a, a one of those kind of set-piece Steve Bruce, maybe Knicks-a-Point specials. Um, and then don't expect them to get much out of Man United, and that's in the first four games. I I you know I, Again, I know there's a school of thought that I was just coming from with the smaller ground, Bournemouth's a smaller team. I think that they're kind of too wide open with Eddie Howe, and I don't think they have the personnel to compete in the back back nine games here. They've really, really disappointed me this season, and I'm kind of just maintaining that. I I kind of think the whole, like, Ryan Frazier and Callum Wilson, once everyone figured that out last season, uh, they haven't done much. And, like, you know, they played those two players differently. They they don't score a million goals, and Harry Wilson's been probably their best player, and he's on loan. So um, don't really rate Bournemouth very highly and expect them to finish
1: 19th. Okay. Um, I tried to keep my personal bias out of this as much as I could, and then I started making it, making my picks, and it was impossible. Um, so my 19th is Watford, and I've liked what I've seen from them at times this season. Obviously, they had uh, you know the biggest win of the season, 3 0 against Liverpool, but they're not very good overall and I hate them, so I'm just going to put them <laughs> in 19th. <19. laughs> they're on they're 27 points, so right now 16th is West Ham on 27. Watford, Watford's in 17th on 27, Bournemouth's in 18th on 27, and then Villa's behind in, with 25. Brighton at 29 ahead of them. So those are probably like the 16s you'd look at right now. I think Southampton and Newcastle are safe. And I don't know. Watford just deserved to be in the championship for a little bit. It's been too long.
0: There you go. Straight, uh, straight from the emotion himself. Um. In seventeenth, going down, or in eighteenth, I should say, going down is the third and final relegation. Uh, third and final relegation spot. I uh, have West Ham. Uh, West Ham, I have going down because I think David Moyes is an absolute joke. Um. <laughs> I think it's a really talented team, and I think that it's a really terrible ownership group. It's a really poorly run club from the top down, um, and. I I expect them to really lack the leadership to kind of come out of this situation and come out on the right track. And they also start the next four games with Wolves, Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle. So obviously Newcastle, eh. Um, Again, there can always be difficult to break down, but Wolves, Tottenham, um, and then Chelsea was their first three games when they come back. I think they're going to get battered from there. And it's, you know, around the tail end of the season – once you start to pick up a couple losses in a row, it's you know players start to go out almost feeling that like they can't win, right? And it becomes such a momentum thing. And so I, I think if they come out of the uh, the restart and lose their first three games, which again uh, I think they will, um, it's difficult to kind of buck yourself up for the last six and be like, all right, let's go get them. So yeah. um, I think from a leadership perspective and from their you know their fixtures that they have right out of the gate, um, they're going to struggle with. And so I f- expect them to go down as well. So I have West Ham eighteen, Bournemouth nineteen, Norwich twenty.
1: Okay um no i i really wanted to put west ham in here and i think that i don't hate west ham i do hate their ownership they just it seems like it would be good for them to get relegated that's how messed up their club is i think like i think that they need to get relegated to just like knock them down a peg and then have to be like all right but maybe we maybe we need to like do stuff the right way I, their ownership is such a joke david moyes is a joke as well they just frustrate the hell out of me it's a club. I didn't put them there, though. I, I went with Bournemouth at 18, who you had in uh, 19th place. I don't really have much more to add on that. Um, I Villa not being in our bottom three on you know, either of us is... Cheeky? No, it's just a little bit of a lack of integrity, journalistically, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't really know what else to say. We get to say what well, we want on here, so I I'm think not going to th- pick them down there. What if I jinx it? I-
0: I think if Villa, I think Villa win, beat Sheffield, all of a sudden they jump all those teams, right? Um, and then they jump into what sixteenth?
1: Yeah, I mean right? it's it's very feasible that they stay up, but they were playing so poorly before the break.
0: That's I, the I know thing. we talked last
1: week. We, we talked last week that, that could be a big benefit for them. They were probably one of the teams that benefited the most from the break. But
0: I, I don't want to accuse or throw any, you know, start any rumors on the pod, but could Dr. Tony Gia have? Created the coronavirus COVID-19 in a lab We might
1: need to go back and analyze some of his equations that he used to tweet out because maybe that that was part of his science behind it to save
0: Villa season former Villa owner I mean could have been done
1: it would be a redemption story for him despite causing the worst pandemic we've ever seen in our lifetimes it would be the first time he did something good for the club
0: yeah maybe well Well, anyway
1: let's move into trivia Because I don't want to (laughs) get down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Shout out, Doctor Tony. Um, Tony. All right. So I'm doing trivia this week. It's gonna be pretty simple because last week was such a fiasco. Um, This one is gonna be pretty easy. I went to one of my favorite sites that I don't think you really put any stock into, which I like even more uh, that you're not really a fan. Um, It's whoScored.com, and I. I'm going to ask you for five players. I'm going to give you 60 seconds. I think it's very doable you get these. Um, And I'm going to ask you, these are all Premier League players. This is all numbers from this season. The timer starts when I finish this question. Who are the top five Premier League players in key passes per 90 minutes played? Go.
0: David Silva. No. Kevin De Bruyne.
1: Yes, number one.
0: Uh, Key passes, so offensive passes. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold.
1: Yes, he's number five.
0: Um, Andy Robertson. No. Um, Firmino.
1: Nope.
0: Sadio Mane, Mo Salah.
1: Nope. Nope.
0: Jordan Henderson. No. Raheem Sterling, Riyad Mahrez.
1: No, no one from the top, like the big four clubs that you'd think of one
0: from okay, the big six interesting. you think of? Uh, Aaron Moy. No. Wilfred Zaha. No. Felipe Anderson. No.
1: Nope.
0: Um, Buendia. Yes, number four.
1: Ten seconds left.
0: Um, Jack Grealish.
1: Yes, number three. Eight seconds. Um, Five. Four. Sh- three. Two. One. Sigurdsson. No. Oh, I was hoping you'd get to the buzzer. This one I thought was going to be one of the easiest. Um... I'm not going to give it to you yet. I'll give you another hint. But you oh. got four to five. I really thought you had it, but I, I wanted to hold you to 60 seconds because I, I thought it was doable.
0: Uh, who was it? Like Lundstrom?
1: No, it's... A, yeah, I can. Central attacking midfielder.
0: Central attacking midfielder.
1: Um. I was hoping I wouldn't throw you off when I said like the big four, big six clubs. That's why I didn't say top four, top six. Because he plays for Leicester.
0: Oh, uh, is it Harvey Barnes? No. Tielemans? Telemen- no. Um, Iosei Perez? Cam, I told you. Oh, Madison. Da, 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 yeah. I thought you
1: would. I thought he would have been one of the first five guys you guessed. Ah shit. I thought yeah, yeah, Wendy yeah. would be maybe the toughest. Um, so here it is. It's De Bruyne first with three point seven key passes per ninety. Second is a tie between Madison and Grealish at two point seven. Third is a okay. tie between Buendia and on like, 2.6. So keep in mind, De Bruyne has a full pass more than everyone else. And then nice. 6 is Pascal Gross, 7, Luka 8, John Moutinho, 9, Mesut Ozil, 10, Riyad Mahrez.
0: Oh, in the middle, Mesut.
1: Yeah, Ozil has the least amount of appearances on the top 10, though.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So once you kind of get into that cam role, it's about just kind of going through the cams. Pascal Gross sneaking up there? What the?
1: I know. That was kind of surprising for me, too. No, I the top five didn't surprise me at all. That's why I thought you might have a a, a shot at it, but it wasn't Just miss Madison. Just miss Madison. Just missed, Madison. Just missed it. Like, except you guessed like six luster players before it might give you that hint, but just missed. It's because um, I'm team. It's because I'm
0: team Grealish in England. I you know I don't even notice Madison anymore.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough. Um. All right. So let's move into predictor. We got five games back. Uh, I know we did through the top five last week, but real quick, it's number one Sean Purcell, number two Jim Saber, three Nick Harmon, four myself five, Jane Ridgeway. Our I didn't know you were going to run
0: through the top five again.
1: Well, I was just still on our notes. So, our league code is M-D-E-Q-L-8. We'll tweet it out. Um, predictor, Jack, I'll let you start this one. Um, first match.
0: All right. Uh, West Ham, Wolves, based off my predictions we just talked about with the finishes. I've got Wolves winning
1: 3-0. I have Wolves winning 3-1. I think West Ham are going to come back as sloppy as ever, probably from the straight
0: Sheet. Break. Cheat, cheat, cheat. Newcastle versus Sheffield United.
1: I have Blades winning
0: 1-0. Yeah, this is a classic uh, don't expect there to be a ton of goals game because, again, you know, again, insult, insult, insult at Steve Bruce. Um, there is a lot of buzz around Newcastle. Obviously, we've talked about with the owner potential ownership change. Hasn't gone through. Um so they're going to have a bad finish this season. Uh, not going to score many goals. Uh, Joe Allenton. Eh. Uh, Sheffield, I...
1: Go ahead, sorry.
0: I got Blades winning 2-0. Uh, like I said, they're finishing fifth.
1: Yeah. If there was one match this weekend that you were going to watch, I would not pick Newcastle Blades.
0: Newcastle Blades. Next game, we got Aston Villa-Chelsea. You go first. I've got a 3-2 Villa win. Goals galore. Again, fitting with my... Of no, 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 no. I'm I'm talking consistency with my picks, right? So I, I picked Chelsea to fall out of the top top five. This is going to be a signature loss and a signature win for Aston Villa,
1: 3-2. Okay. I'm going 2-1 Chelsea because I have some integrity. I'm not going to just pick Villa for everything, even though I hope they win. I desperately hope they do. But I'm going 2-1 Chelsea.
0: My picks uh, are rooted in logic and not emotion.
1: I don't know I just want to get that. that out there. Yeah, your logic was Chelsea are going to drop out based off your pick, so you'll have them lose on your pick. It's, right. it's, all, it's all inside your head, but anyway. Right. Um, I make the
0: game. I make the rules.
1: Okay, fair enough. Um, next one, the Merseyside Derby. Everton at home to Liverpool.
0: Yeah, the Scouse Fest. What do you got?
1: Depending on the City Arsenal result on Wednesday, this could decide the title. I have Liverpool winning three-two. I think Everton are going to put up a fight at home. Uh, first match back, I think that there's no way they just roll over, and especially with potentially the title on the line, or if they don't, if it's not on the line in this game, it will be the next game, you know. So, I, I think they're they're going to show up, and I think that Everton might get out to a lead, and then Liverpool is going to do what they did all season, except for that one match against Watford, and it's going to, they're going to just finish the job and win three-two.
0: Yeah, I, I mean the pick makes sense when you explain it, but uh, I'm gonna back Everton to dig in, get get at least a point here. I'm gonna go one-one. Um, I think there's too much history, too many Everton players, too too much at stake. Where that'll be the only, I think that's the only thing that's been talked about at Everton for the last you know two months is like, oh, Liverpool can't win the title that uh, that Sunday when they play us. Right. So one-one.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. All right, last one: City Burnley. You go.
0: City, Burnley, um, I've got 2-0, the classic uh, predictor scoreline. Um, I think City will take it to Burnley, um, but, again, I think tactically Burnley are difficult to break down, so I don't expect that, that there to be too many goals.
1: Yeah, uh, City are actually the only home side I have winning in my predictor picks here. I've got 4-0. Burnley are another club that should have been relegated by now. I don't know what's going on with them. So, you know, yeah, a lot of City are shot, a lot of Sean. Back and, Yeah, Sean Dyche is just a miracle worker
0: right maybe he comes to palace after roy hodgson maybe he doesn't maybe they get tarkovsky as well who knows um, um right. again the lead, the lead code is n d e q l 8 so in out on the predictor uh you know whether you watch every week or not it's honestly super easy and if you don't you're you could win easy.
1: 50k um right. follow us on twitter follow us on instagram i got nothing else jack what about you
0: I got nothing else other than uh, thanks for listening. Um, it's back. We're super fucking excited. We hope you guys yeah. are too. Um, tweet at
1: us. Tweet at us your thoughts on the pod, your thoughts on the games this weekend. Your predictor picks would be awesome. Um, really excited to get back into it. And uh, we'll be back next week to record another one. Catch up on everything.
0: Yeah, it just goes to show.
1: Everybody's human. Have a great week.